Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All-Star Sunday, February 19th, 2017. This is Celtic Speed on CLNS Radio, and I am Larry H. Russell. Countdown to Thursday's deadline is now on. All-Star Weekend gives league executives even greater opportunities to discuss potential trades. So, permission is granted here for half the show. Discuss those potentials, all while assessing the present value of each of Boston's trade assets. Do return to the immediate and complete reality. Celtics sent out their annual letter to season ticket holders this week. What was said? ESPN's Kevin Pelton and Chris Forsberg. Coming up on the number one podcast on the web, dedicated to the NBA's winningest franchise. Let's have a little fun. You got to give me your uh, where were you on the Gary Payton for Ray Allen trade. So I actually have a good story on that. You got to go with that. All right. So I was an intern for the Sonics at that point. That was actually my first uh, year. Well, I was still a junior in college, uh, interning for the Sonics, writing for supersonics.com. And so I spent the morning of the trade deadline was normally when I was at the office and, you know, didn't hear anything. Uh, Deadline came and went and... You know, I had to take the bus back to the University of Washington to go to classes that afternoon. So I get on the bus thinking, okay, quiet trade deadline. Sonics didn't do anything, I guess. Go to my first class, still thinking this. Uh, stop to check uh, my the website I was running at the time, uh, the, or the, the former website I had been running, soniccentral.com. Go to the message boards there to see what people think about this uh, in, on like a public computer in the 10 minutes between classes. And it doesn't load. And that's my first sign. Uh, something something might be up here. And uh, then I think probably ESPN.com was my next stop and uh, saw the news. So despite being uh, a, a part-time more or less employee of the Sonics as an intern at that point, uh, the person responsible for content on SuperSonics.com, I didn't know the trade had happened until several hours after the fact. And then, then I immediately had to walk into another class. Uh, after that, and I, I think I was just a zombie that entire class. I certainly wasn't going to contribute anything productive because all I could think about was the enormity of the Sonics trading Gary Payton and uh, getting Ray Allen in return. Remember having a mash refresh like in the early 2000s over stuff like that? I remember even being here in Boston, <laughs> the whole Alex Rodriguez winter. It was just constantly hitting refresh of ESPN.com. Even before Twitter and all that, I, I had the I was a junior Newton North High School. I do remember that it was after the deadline, and I remember it actually being a fairly quiet deadline. I remember the Celtics traded for Mark Blunt that day. That was the big oh yeah, Mark <laughs> Blunt's back. Oh yeah, and uh, I was just literally just sitting on those old crappy bubble IMAX at the Library of Newton North, constantly just mashing refresh mindlessly for about five hours. Now, of course, Twitter following at K There's a lot of fun deadline stories too. I remember. Dominique being traded was sort of my – that was a deadline deal. Like that was right on the deadline, right? Did you Dominique for Danny Manning? Boy, I don't remember specifically. That was what, 94? 94. Hawks the best yeah. team in, in the East. And I, I almost paused that was on a deadline day and found about that. But the next day in the newspaper, that was tw- right. 23 right. years ago. And then it's uh, – we find things a little more instantaneously quicker. Anyways, you're here with Kevin Pelton. On episode number 197 of Celtics Beat, which today is being presented by Movement Watches and Audible. Audible.com slash try now for a free audiobook alongside a 30-day trial period. Kevin Pelton of ESPN, and you are in the news. Imagine that you're in the news for an a trade 
idea, which got covered ad nauseum. I want to say it's about a week and a half old now. Um, and I'll just do a little run through it uh, for the audience who don't remember, recall it or, or missed it, but uh, certainly made its way around the Twittersphere and the, in the other internet realms. Jimmy Butler to the Celtics. And this is our little trade deadline preview. We get a finally one week of fantasizing. Jimmy Butler to the Celtics for Terry Rozier, Amir Johnson, Tyler Zeller, uh, a first-round draft choice from the Nets, not this year, which is the big one. We can get to that later. And a Grizzlies protected first for Butler. Also, Todd Gibson was thrown in there to make some salaries work. So we got to go right into the hardcore analytical data here, KP. Uh, what was your net Twitter follower loss from folks from the uh, Midwest after you pitched that idea out there? Well, I think I have a lot more Celtics Twitter followers in yeah, general yeah, than, net gain there, so than Bulls you, Twitter you, followers. You so, yeah. I, and the funny thing is I didn't hear a ton about it because, again, like the, the people who are upset about it in Chicago, not as vocal as, uh, you know, the Celtics contingent is on Twitter. Uh, I, I mean, I think the, the one thing that got lost in that because of the fact that people were pulling it out of a larger insider article was that's sort of like a starting point, you know. Uh, my my general take has been on this, and uh, a few weeks ago we did the dunked on mock trade deadline, oh, yes. a th- three part series, I think four to five hours of podcasts, even more time than that that we spent recording those. And I was the Celtics GM, so it, this kind of grew out of thinking, what would I offer for Jimmy Butler? And, and basically, my conclusion there was, I would offer anything, but you know, one of the current starters, maybe Marcus Smart, falls into that group. And then uh, the, the 2017 Brooklyn pick. Yeah, smart. And uh, we actually, this is a good to talk about the assets the Celtics have. I don't know how you can just sort of quanti- quantitatively measure uh, or even just sort of guesstimate. I, I threw it out to you on our, on our cheat sheet of assets, the value of the Celtics the assets have. Uh, you, you hear a lot of trade ideas, exception that, that fans throw out there. I can pretty much safely say on my end that the Celtics will not trade Marcus Smart largely because... He's awesome, as you know, and really because I don't think that the league still quite values Marcus Smart in general the way the Celtics do and the 2017 Brooklyn pick. Real quick on that 17 Brooklyn pick. How can you – there was once a man who used to write for ESPN way back yonder. Can't recall his name. Don't want to bring his name up. But he used (laughs) to do uh, columns where he would rank the top 50-ish or so trade assets – in the entire NBA. Rough guess. Where does this 2017 Nets pick, which is going to be no worse than the fourth overall pick in the draft, and will have a 25% chance of being number one overall, where do you think, just like roughly where it ranks in almost every single trade as- asset in the NBA up there would say, even like, you know, Carl Anthony Towns in the top three or whatever? Yeah, so I mean, it's obviously the number one among draft picks because of the fact that you can't get a better draft pick than that. You can't get it sooner than this year, and you can't get a draft pick with a better likelihood of being the number one pick than than that Brooklyn pick, given where they are in the standings. Um, I, I think part of it, you know, is uh, is I there's there's I think two two ways to frame it. First off, how, where I see the value, and then maybe where the league sees the value. And uh, I I think I would say I see the value probably a little relatively low relative to players who are already in the league just because you have so much additional certainty about those guys that they're going to translate as compared to you know even the best prospect in this year's draft and of course there is uh uh the most likely single pick for that is still the fourth pick. It's not it being the number one pick, even though it's got the best chance of any of any team of being the best pick. So I I would say you know it's probably somewhere in the the 30s. I, w- I would say off the top of my head in terms of the trade value rankings, but where it's perceived around the league, maybe somewhere around the 20s, because I think teams tend to prefer that uncertainty and then the chance to pick the player who they think best fits their needs and you know their their philosophy as an organization as opposed to just taking back a specific player there is a simpleton argument that is thrown out there and this is where i definitely need you because it's i need you to agree with me on this in that someone will say you know just a very this is a twitter argument because it's a 140 character or less sentence of so and so i.e jimmy jimmy butler let's just throw jimmy butler out there jimmy butler paul george um jimmy butler is a sure thing Whereas you hope that the number one overall pick in the draft can become the next Jimmy Butler, or God forbid, better. What 
is not seem to be comp- what isn't comprehended is the fact that yeah there was a you know, a high percentage that the number one overall pick Markel Fultz the number four overall pick whatever Malik Monk won't become Jimmy Butler but there is seems to, for some reason why do uh, the general consensus seems to there seems to be a hard time for people to comprehend that if that player does pan out within the net, you know one or two or even three years that you actually get that player at four was it four or five million dollars number one overall pick it's more now with under the new CBA but you're right I mean people think about it is you trade players is the conception but really what you should think about is you trade for contracts you trade for the ability to pay players what their current contract is and the best contracts in the league uh, besides some really truly above Isaiah Thomas, superstars, six million bucks. yeah, and there, yeah, there's rookies. a few, yeah, there's a few random Jay Crowder also falling onto the end of that category, which is part of why the Celtics are in such a great position right now. In addition to the Brooklyn picks, but yeah, it's it's rookie contracts tend to be the best values. So if that guy doesn't pan out, you're not paying him very much. And if he does, you're paying him very little first on the rookie contract. Then you've got the opportunity to re-sign him, you know, to the, the seven to nine year mat or to the, to the, uh, four to seven, zero to six year max on their rookie extension, which is usually a good deal. And then it's only kind of on that third contract that players tend to be fairly paid if they're superstars. So in Butler's case, because of the fact that he signed a contract under the old kind of CBA salary cap yeah, model, seventeen ish. Let's see, I, I've got it here. I, if thought, I, I thought he's somewhere like seventeen and a half, something like that. And I didn't check. I just I know. Yeah, 17, it, okay, wow, yeah. what a guess. Go ahead, yeah, I interrupt then, you. And then never more than twenty million, uh, although he can opt out in, in twenty nineteen. So you've got you've got two year two years basically guaranteed of him at below market rates after this year, and that's why he has so much trade value because it is a great contract. But it's still you know if you were swapping him say straight up for the two thousand seventeen Brooklyn pick, the way you have to think about it is not just is Jimmy Butler going to be better than this player. It's is Jimmy Butler going to be better than this player, and then what you can get in free agency with the cap space you know that that you're now allocating to jimmy butler's contract and that's sort of what i've been getting at really the last week is say you trade for jimmy butler and that's so like let's say you trade that nets pick this year for jimmy butler that's pretty much the primary asset the celtics have and we can go to do an entire run through of the asset that's the primary asset that boston has if you trade that selection outside of the Nets pick next year, which is actually pretty big, but th- this one, but if you trade that Nets pick for Jimmy Butler or for Paul George or, or for Star X, that's kind of your team. Like, that's who you're going to war with over the next three years, especially, hypothetically, you have to re-sign Isaiah Thomas in a year and a half. So that sort of is, is what I've been asking here of, you know, are the Celtics a trade away where they pushed all the chips to the table with Kevin Garnett back in 2007? I think there's a, you know, it's, oh, trade uh, a Nets pick for Jimmy Butler because what are the odds a Nets pick becomes a player like Jimmy Butler? But if you're, you know, making a move like that for Butler, Isaiah Horford, Jimmy Butler are taking up 80% of the salary cap. So that's pretty much your team as you don't have as many hardcore assets left over to really do anything. Whereas now I'm, I'm doing what I do very, really, really well here, KP. That's stated the obvious. Whereas if Boston, like, I would really have to think long and hard. And I, in fact, I don't think I would actually give up the Nets pick for Jimmy Butler. But if it was something along the lines of what you pitched out there, and I'd even throw Jalen Brown in there, um, in that, in your trade ideal, again, Rogier right. and the expiring contract, then at least you have some flexibility left over for you able to do different things. And sorry, like I said, I just stated the obvious, but this is where you can, this is where you can pick me up off the mat. I mean, I think the good thing for the Celtics, no matter what they do, is, you know, if they were to make that kind of a trade for Butler, well, you know, you'd still have Jalen Brown with a couple years left on his rookie contract. I mean, depending on what the pieces are saying that it was built primarily around this year's Nets pick, you'd still have Jalen Brown on his rookie contract. You'd have next year's next pick coming in, the future picks coming in from Memphis and the Clippers. And that's what puts them in a good position is that they can continue to add relatively cheap talent, even when they're maxed out stuff, though. No, but I don't know if it necessarily needs to be. I, I mean, you are the one. The, the the key thing you would be doing by making that kind of a trade is shifting your timeline to now, as opposed to. You is know, it worth it? I I think it's more reasonable given the vulnerability that Cleveland has shown over the last month or so, and the the possibility that the Celtics could have home court advantage. Hmm. Interesting. They are. What, what are they? Uh, Five thirty-eight. I I I wrote down fourth. Are they fourth or fifth? 
uh, in in uh, title projection percentage there. And I, you can even have is there like a little projection percentage threshold where you know focusing on entirely on the present is worth it? Would it's like probably like fifteen twenty percent? Yeah, I'd say you'd have to get probably to the, that point, which no one but the Warriors does this year. And I mean, that's the thing is, you know, even if you can beat the Celtics or beat the yes. Cavaliers, rather, uh, then the NBA finals are still going to be rather tricky. But, you know, I, I think anytime you can get that that certainty of having a superstar, it, it's probably worth it, especially if they could find a way to do it without giving up this year's Nets pick, because that's kind of what would allow you to have the best of both worlds, the superstar now and the possibility of a superstar three to four years down the road. Yeah, no, that's that's entirely where I stand on this. Listen, I'm I'm all in on Jimmy Butler. I'd, I'd even be all in on Paul George, although I, I don't want to go on forever for Paul George. There are some inklings out there that he may maybe not be as good as what he was in 2013 or 14 pre-injury or whatever. But as long as the Celtics were able to maintain that flexibility, because I, I just would not be all that sure that a core of Horford, Starrex, and Isaiah Thomas taking up 80% of the salary cap with really minimal uh, ability to improve on that. I'm just not sure that'd be able to get the job done. Why don't we, because uh, you know, we only have a few more minutes of your time here, why don't we do like a little rundown of the assets that the Celtics have? So we already talked about the 17 Nets pick and, and sort of, you know, like I said, a little quantitative guess of where that asset ranks and its value. Why don't we sort of jump, I guess, on... The 2018 Nets pick, I don't think you have to really rank that in terms of the NBA landscape because I'm just not sure that it registers there, although it should be like a top six pick, and I don't know I don't know how good next year's draft is. I like this year's draft. I don't know how good next year's draft is, but I don't know if you want to just talk maybe about the Nets pick, Jalen Brown, or if you want to do like your own little power rankings, Celtics power rankings of, of the assets that they have and the value that, are really, that you think could get on the market. So, yeah, I mean, that 2018 Nets pick, first off, people are not as excited about that draft and certainly not as excited right now as they are about, uh, you know, the 2017 draft. I think by next year, when you start seeing some of these guys in college, they'll talk, people will start talking themselves into it. But, but there isn't that excitement right now. And then there's just not the certainty, you know, that that's going to be a top five pick. Although I think that's, that's still the most likely scenario. I don't see the the Nets getting, yeah, I don't see the Nets getting substantially better. Jeremy Lin will help them a little. That was a big factor in why they've been so bad this year that you know he's he's been out with a hamstring injury basically the entire season uh Jalen Brown I would think you know I think probably the next set of of uh trade chips in terms of value for the Celtics is probably guys on the current roster after the the 2018 next Nets pick I mean Isaiah is not going anywhere it's extremely unlikely Jay Crowder and Avery Bradley are going anywhere but I think those three guys like the established veterans on good contracts are probably the next set of of trade chips and then I would probably put Jalen Brown since I I don't know if anyone in in else in the league valued Jalen Brown quite as much as the Celtics did He's actually played pretty well before his injury. Did you make anything of him? I, uh, there was uh, Mike Schmitz actually put out a, a tweet early February that he was 11th in uh, points per possession in the low block, which I, I realized he was pretty effective, but I didn't realize he was that effective. He's He's been getting to the basket, not finishing around the rim. Hopefully he finishes around the rim because that means the shots are going in. Other, uh, some other skills that he's presented is very effective closeout defense. He's, he's done a lot more than I thought he would. He's actually contributing or was contributing prior to his injury uh, about, you know, in the, in the month leading up to his injury, which, which surprised me greatly. But did you really have any other takeaways on Jalen Brown when he was playing there? Because he did get a, a few little run there on national TV against Portland. Uh, there was another team they played prior to getting hurt. The Clippers, that, yeah. that's what it was, yeah. Yeah, and I was down there at that Celtics game where uh, – Against yeah, the Blazers? I, I, yeah, against okay. the Blazers, oh, that's yeah. That's you're up uh, Northwest. Yeah, and I, I thought his fourth quarter in that game was really impressive, kind of struggled in the first half and, and saw that issue finishing around the rim. I mean, I think that's going to be the biggest question for him is, can he become an efficient scorer? I mean, that wasn't what he was at Cal, which was why his statistical projections... He was an efficient nothing. <laughs> why, why his statistical projections were as poor as they were uh, when, he was, uh, when he was at Cal, and, and uh, at least by my metrics and, and at some others. And, you know, he's, he's shooting a better percentage from two-point two range than you would have expected based on what he did at Cal because he's shifted into a smaller role, but still not a great spot-up shooter. You know, is he going to be a good enough shot creator that you kind of 
run the offense through him and and minimize the fact that he's not a great shooter. Um, I, I think those are my questions about how good he gets. And then, you know, defensively, he has certainly proven lived up to, I think, the scouts recommend repute scouts uh, assessment at that end of the court. Yeah, defensively, he hadn't done much ca- uh, Cal either. And I thought he was uh, coming into the NBA solely based on, oh, he's a really athletic dude with long arms. But uh, I, I, I was, I was impressed. He had a high enough motor, and he was very, very good perimeter. Def- def- offered a lot of speed around the perimeter, and was pretty effective there. Uh, Kelly Linick don't really want to talk about him much because he's actually playing very well. I don't think he's going anywhere, despite the fact that he's a free agent at the end of the year. I actually do hope that he stays in Boston. He's really starting to stroke it beyond the three-point line. Uh, Terry Rozier is an interesting name that came up because first off, he was the first player mentioned in the trade idea for. Uh, Jimmy Butler here, and there was a report put out by CLNS's own Jared Weiss that the Celtics wanted to hold on to Jerry, uh, Terry Rozier uh, in the terms of a, a Serge Ibaka trade. I actually have a inkling that the Celtics, there may be, because of this draft pick that the Celts have that I think I'm pretty sure they're going to hold on to past this deadline, that's being that Nets pick, is... So they picked Jalen Brown in last year's draft, and I thought one of the reasons why they did that KP is because that this draft coming up was so guard heavy. So you get an athletic wing now in Jalen Brown. I, now, I thought that's just one of the reasons they picked Jalen Brown, not the primary reason. But you look at Terry Rozier. Uh, one argument I think in terms of possibly moving him now and having an incentive to move him now is that the odds of picking a guard in this coming draft are so high. They are, yeah. I mean, I think Josh Jackson is really the only guy in that top four range in all likelihood. I mean, maybe Jonathan like Isaac top or someone. Seven. Yeah, like Isaac and Jackson are like the only top eight or nine dudes right now. Yeah. So otherwise, you know, if it's a if it's a, the number one pick or the number one two pick, you know, Markel Fultz and, and Lonzo Ball have pretty clearly separated themselves in those two spots. And then I think Dennis Smith has a case to be the number three guy behind them. He's in the mix with with Jackson there. And, you know, that's that's probably where team preference comes into play a little bit more. But, yeah, you're looking at a very high likelihood of taking uh, a point guard, especially because Jackson, if if, you know, he's it's close with him and say Dennis Smith, if you're picking third or fourth. Well, he duplicates a lot of what Jalen brown already brings so uh, i think in that case you would or you would default to the point guard so maybe that does uh give some incentive to move rogier since he's not contributing that much right now with you know smart and isaiah thomas and avery bradley in the backcourt and then also might be kind of squeezed from behind by this pick do you have any a little personal assessment of him is there any way you get... I, I think he's most likely to be a good backup point guard more than you know, develop into a starter. When you look at you know the caliber of starting point guards in the NBA right now, and uh, you know the fact that he again has not been uh, an exceptionally efficient scorer, even though you know he's, I think he's shown that he can be kind of that change of pace guy who comes in, pressures the ball off the bench, does things like that, and can, and that's a position that is important for a contender, but uh, you know not ha- doesn't have the value very very the replaceable of the starter. Very replaceable. Yeah. That's one of the things about the Celtics is. Uh, that they have a lot of players with unique skills on the team. Terry Rozier, it seems, is about 4,000 Terry Rozier's in the NBA, even though there's not, there's not even 4,000 NBA players. All right, KP, I want to get you out of here. So, have a little fun. You offered a great, great trade idea for the Celtics. Rozier, Amir, Zeller, and a couple of picks for Jimmy Butler. Sign me up. For fun, three trades you'd like to see happen involving the Celtics, if you've got three. All right, so I'll take you through some of the other trades i kind of worked through is the celtics gm in the dunked on podcast so the one that eventually Nate's came gonna to love fru- those shout outs oh yeah yeah the one that eventually came to fruition since uh the the bulls were unwilling uh, and nate nate specifically who was running them uh was unwilling to move jimmy butler without getting the 2017 chicago or brooklyn pick uh so i i eventually sent the bulls tyler zeller and the celtics 2018 first round pick for taj gibson to uh kind of bolster the front court get a little more rebounding there which i, I think celtics fans uh have have unanimously concluded is the biggest weakness of this year's team that was the trade that actually went through a couple others i tr- looked at was maybe trying to do something with james young and jordan mickey to get kylo quinn from the knicks i think he can be a really good backup center on a good contract has been uh, strong on the defensive glass this year and would partner well with kelly olenic in the front court and then kind of the, the last shot was doing something with andrew bogut uh who might also be a buyout candidate i, I was looking at maybe tyler zeller and uh, a future uh, one of this year's second round picks that 
it's not the the Minnesota pick that's likely to land in the top half of the second round. Yeah, real quick on Bogut. Um, he played here earlier in the year in November, and he had a pretty big impact on that game against the Celtics. Boston could not get in the paint for three quarters against Dallas before Isaiah just took over. Haven't heard that storyline before this year with the Celtics. Um, <laughs> So whether he's a buyout or a trade, just his fit on the Celtics. I mean, I just look concretely, just see, okay, really high defensively, real plus minus. Um, but would he be a fit with the Celtics with, you know, possible floor spacing issues with the offense that the, that the Celtics do run? And also, while he is a very good defensive player, would there be some issues in terms of lack of speed in the front court if it's both Horford and Bogan? See, when when I look at Bogut in Boston at this point, I don't even think of him as a partner for Horford, really. I, I think – I don't think he'd Horford be an upgrade may over – think that's the problem. <laughs> you don't like playing uh, center. Right. I don't think he's an upgrade over Amir Johnson at this point given the, the injury issues he's dealt with and his limitations offensively. I would look at him more coming into that second unit to give you more size there when you want to play Olenek at the four. Kind of the same thing I mentioned uh, with Kylo Quinn. ESPN's Kevin Pelton. Follow the man on Twitter at KPelton. Today's episode of Celtic Speed is being brought to you by Movement Watches. Movement Watches was found on the belief that style should not break the bank. The watchmaker's goal is to change the way consumers think about fashion by offering high-quality, minimalist products at revolutionary prices. With over half a million watches sold to customers in 160-plus countries around the world, Movement Watches has solidified itself as the world's fastest-growing watch company. Classic design, quality construction, and styled minimalism, Movement Watches start at just $95. At an apartment store, you are looking at four to 500 bucks, and Movement figured out that by selling online, they were able to cut out the middleman and retail markup, providing the best possible price. And get this, you can get 15% off today with free shipping and free returns by going to Movement Watches, mvmtwatches.com slash Celticsbeat. This watch is a really clean design. I've been getting compliments left, right, and sideways ever since I put mine on. And now is the time to step up your watch game. Go to mvmtwatches.com slash Celticsbeat mvmtwatches.com slash Celticspeed. Join the movement. Right. Like now one second away from becoming a Celtic. Follow me (laughs) on Twitter to get all those updates and make sure you watch, you know, hashtag fake news uh, station here because if you continue to watch, I'm sure that'll increase the odds of the possibility of Butler being a Celtic. (laughs) I love it. Take advantage of it. Well, if you're going to pick up Twitter followers, the common decency that we do here at CLNS Radio, we actually give away Celtics tickets. And there not you just, go. yeah, my season tickets. So I do have to give that a little shout out because uh, I think it's coming up here, February 27th. Uh, two tickets enter by simply following. Uh, who do we got to follow? Oh, me on Twitter at CLNS underscore <laughs> LHR. Uh, here with ESPN's Chris Forsberg. Uh, speaking of season tickets, you astutely pointed out to me that it's the letter came a little earlier this year. And now the letter isn't just a, a nice thank you letter. There was a little invoice uh, that's also in the <laughs> other pocket. This year they actually sent, little invoice. They sent me a pen with the invoice. Oh, so yeah. you, you can sign the check right you before you Right then and there. Credit card number, set the box <laughs> off, and often, well, I did electronically. So the pen uh, is uh, in mint condition uh, right now. They actually, the Celts are famous for uh, asking for people to renew in February. Um and now every team does it, so they are pioneers there. Pretty soon it's going to be like war bonds. You're going to be buying season tickets like, what, five years in advance, ten years in advance, <laughs> put together a little song for us. Is there everything. a waiting list? I would love to say that there is, and you know, oh, what a fortunate person I am, but I'm not. So we can give the Celtics a little commercial shout-out and say there that there's not. Yeah, you know, sign in right Great now. There's available. Some, there, and there's some awesome prizes, actually. One of the prizes, I don't have it right at the top of my head. You can get it on myCeltics.me. Uh, one of the prizes, though, that did jump right at me, though, was a you get a foursome, or I believe they are at least you get to bring one of the guests. I can't remember. But you get you get to play Old Sandwich Golf Course next September, which what you do, I'm actually not sure how, what, what an awesome prize that is if, if you get stuck behind you and Bullpet as a foursome. <laughs> you guys taking six hours to play out there. You're jammed on 93 traffic on the way home honking. <laughs> Like I do a beeline every time, like for that term, I do a beeline. Like, like as soon as I get on that course, I'm saying, "How fast am I going to get to Route 93 on the way out of here?" <laughs> it, it's so, and like I felt bad. Our caddy was like, 
absolutely on the on the verge of a breakdown last year because I think our round took like five and a half hours. I felt bad for him. Like at least the, the good thing for him was like traffic had cleared every which way before he went home. So yeah, I'm not sure what I'm going to do there in that regard this year. But I do usually make that voyage now every single year. Anyways, uh, the letter um, actually is is nice because it gives us some topics uh, and, I, and it gives me an excuse to read it on air. So that's what I'm going to do. I actually, I, I can't remember if I did this last year. I know I did it a, a few years ago, but this is the letter that that Rich Gotham sent out. So we're going to have some incredible analysis and, and reaction to it, Chris. Uh, I know this. Uh, I sent it over to you. Uh, not sure if that's uh, frowned upon, but uh, I say that's usually a better letter than what Larry Lucchino used to send out to season ticket holders, which were just these disastrous letters. The PR people uh, at the Celtics are far more skilled. And uh, Rich Gotham is a pretty astute individual himself, considering you know all the times he comes on this show. But anyways, let's roll. Deal. Dear blank, I'm not going to give that part away. Uh, thank you for your uh, – moving along. Thank you for your loyal support this season. The atmosphere at TD Garden has been electric and your passion. Electric. You know, electric. I, no, I said this two weeks ago. This is the best crowd at, at the Fleet Center slash TD Bank North Garden slash TD Garden. I can't remember. If, oh, Shamit Center. Remember that? The, that was oh, the yeah. original what, name what, of that. That was for like a – That's yeah. a trivia okay. question. That's a good trivia question. I don't think they actually played a game in the Shamit Center. But I said this This is the best crowds that there have been in the 22-year history of the building. You got you go with that? This year? I think so. Wow. Regular season? I mean, listen, people have been into it. Like, and, you know, it, it's funny because and, – and maybe we're spoiled by it because I notice it more when I go to another city. It's like you just – just everything about the experience and the fans the, are the way they're into it and the, the chants and the organicness of it. Um, you know, I recognize it when I go to Orlando and I'm sitting there saying, wow, this is this – And you is want to stab different. yourself in the eye too. Those when games are even more unwatchable line. at home. Oh, my god. Like San Antonio was, was music obnoxious. Play, yeah, yeah. For, like for a team as storied as history, they've got like the DJ spinning tunes throughout the whole damn game. It's like, come on. Uh, no, I, like listen, I love – the experience at the garden. I just think it's funny that we say it's electric this year. Like I think they're twenty and eight. It's like they haven't been great at home. Uh, but that being said, like the, the the games like when Pierce comes back, oh man, there's there's just nothing like that. The and rap, the whole the IT thing, game too, like really jumped out. Of me the fourth quarters out. this year have just been have yeah. been awesome. People are like literally. There have been times when got people are just standing up, and you know usually the ushers are like, "Hey man, sit down." But like this year, they just kind of let it roll. They anticipate the best. Anyways, the atmosphere at TD Garden has been electric, and your passion continues to provide our players with the best home court advantage in the NBA. That I, that I do say is a little bit of an embellishment, because although I would say second best, second to Golden State. Uh, wow. But you got to go with Oracle Arena there. That's they've always yeah had it that place rocks. I mean, yeah, they've they've that, always that. had it. Even when they had their their horrible teams for thirty years, they they brought it every night. And Great. will they still yeah. have it when they go to their new arena? Uh, yeah, that's in San Francisco. Big difference between San Fran and Oakland. All right. those little uh, Silicon yeah, Valley, crowd. all the Silicon Valley nerds are gonna. They they are not gonna be as into it. They could be the. Uh, they they could they could get the Dookie effect, right? Because those Dookies bring it every night there. Oh, that's true. I, I don't. That's okay, true. hold on. This is gonna uh, result in probably me insulting a portion of the. I'm, I guarantee you, I'll get an email <laughs> saying, "Yo, I work at Silicon Valley, and you just got. I'm never listening to your show again." So, okay. I don't want to do that anymore. Uh, it's great. Back to the letter. It's a great time to be a Celtics fan. This team has been steadily growing all season, and we now sit as contenders in the Eastern Conference and look poised to make a strong run in the 2017 playoffs. You know, like I said about the Lucina letters, uh, in in relative terms to the Red Sox, the Celtics do not BS. They're really authentic. They've always been. Uh, how do I how do I say that? Jeez, why am I drawing a blank here, Chris? But it, they I, they I don't throw you, around like, the it, they had it took a long time for them to actually refer to themselves as contenders. Let's put it that way. And 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 not only that, it's not like they're like you know we've spent the most days in second place this season. You know, it, it, oh, it, they, they're, they're genuine about there. You go more days in first place. <laughs> like I, I, that that part of of the Red Sox always always made me laugh. But like you're right. Like I think the Celtics, even when I hear you know Wick and Danny, they're all very. They understand their placement in this this NBA universe right now, and I think they're right. They're, there's reason to be excited. They're they're moving towards being a contender, but they understand that they're not. You know, they, they're not going to lie to the fans and be well, like, "Hey, we're, we're, we're title contenders." They just they just refer to themselves as contenders. They, they have not ever done so uh, in recall to the media 
or these letters to season ticket holders. It's always been about, you know, oh, you know, the, the present's bright, but the future's even brighter. Uh, this is uh, this actually sort of, you know, I, I think it's actually a semi-landmark thing in its own that uh, they refer to themselves as contenders and actually did so prior to the Kevin Love injury. So uh, I'll give you a little quick take on that, Chris. Are the Celtics contenders in the Eastern Conference with now what, that, what we know here on All-Star Weekend? It doesn't change anything to, in my mind. I think you know your 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 hope is still to just show progress, and whether you're the one seed, the two seed, or the three seed, you're still just your goal is to get out of the first round. And then you know after that, to me, it's a little bit gravy. Like yes, this team should be competitive in the second round. They probably should win a second round series, and and you hope that they get to that to that Eastern Conference Finals against the Cavaliers. But I won't judge this season based on like whether they make a surge to the one seed. Um, like it's still going to be daunting. Like I think about it, and, and when Cleveland gets healthy, and when Cleveland wants to kick it up, it, it that's a daunting task. But you know, hey, the door is a little bit more open. It's a chance for them if they if they do continue to, to play well here in the second half of the year to have something to shoot for. And you know, there, there's certainly something you can sell to your fan base saying, hey, look, we were the top seed in the East, and. Uh, maybe you can sell it in free agency as well that, hey, we just need one more piece to, to push us over the top. But uh, the, the love injury, I, I don't – just because of the way he'll be able to come back or at least assuming he's able to come back for the playoffs, I don't know if it has a, a huge impact on the, the overall course of this season. Just a 12% chance at the one seed, though. I was shocked to see 84% uh, probability at the two seed, though. Uh, but I, I, I'm with you. The threshold is – while it's not a debacle uh, or a disaster, uh, I'm with the, the threshold is win a playoff series in the first round. I think doesn't really matter what happens after that. Back to the letter. Isaiah Thomas earned his second All Star appearance. Earned, not selected. I love I love uh, overanalyzing this wording. Uh, these wording <laughs> and played his way into discussion as one of the top players in the NBA. You know, there's a website I gotta send oh, send over to you. Uh, Stats unpredictable. Stats dot. It's unpredictable. So it's stats dot unpredictable dot com. And mm-hmm. uh, basically, they uh, so they account for win probability added, which is plays in a game which has a, the greatest effect on win probability. So shooting uh, Isaiah Thomas by far number one in the league. Wow, that's interesting to me. Guess who's worst? Just for fun. Guess who's the worst? <laughs> The worst? Yeah. Guess who is the worst? Yeah. Ah. Uh, no. Is it someone Three, on the Celtics? Three, two, one. Hurry up. Rondo. Hard smart. Rondo. Oh Rondo. man. Isaiah Thomas. Though, that statement. One of the best players in the league. Yeah. One. Of, no, not one of the best. One of the top players in the NBA. So let's yeah. just call that top ten. Top. It's top ama- 15. amazing, right? Ooh, you're with that top fifteen. I'm with it. Okay. Like, right. I, listen. Why? I don't know if it's sustainable, but this year he's one of the top ten players. All right. Why? Because look, look at what he's doing. Like these numbers are insane. Like, Offensively, and I, I told Bob Ryan best offensive single season in Celtics history, and it, he, it, he concurred with that. Look at I mean he's he's, a, he's right on the, the the cusp here with Bird, and he's actually at the at the All Star break, and again it's different times in the season. Like Bird had more of a second half to to get his numbers up. But, like, you know, 29.9 points or whatever, like right behind Bird here with a chance to, to be the first Celtic to, to either approach 30 or, or beat Bird's 29.9 record. Like, you know, it's sometimes – and even he is admitted that he's kind of like – he's sheepishly – every night we're bringing these things up like, oh, hey, you're, you're about to pass Havlicek for this. You're about to pass Bird for this. And he's like, you know, it, it registers with him. But now we're getting to the point where these records are – like the, the consecutive game thing, it's cool and all that, but – it speaks to good consistency, and I like that. But, you know, it's sort of like Rondo's assist streak. Oh, I knew you point, were going to bring that up, that goofy assist streak that he had in a pertinent It's so team. dumb. Yeah. So, so dumb. I hated That was the worst thing. That was like that was a low point in Celtics history. And, uh, you know, like, but it's good that Isaiah's doing it. Like, uh, scoring at least is, is consistent. Like, if he was chasing buckets in the last minute to, to get there, I'd be I'd start to get worried about it. Like, I do think there's a point where this, this will just end, whether it's a lopsided win, lopsided loss, whatever. But... Uh, it is impressive that he's th- that he's that what he's doing, and that the fact that he's still kind of on pace to, to break Havlicek's record uh, for st- for most twenty point games in a single season. And I, I don't know that these things are impressive to me, and I, it really speaks to 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 what he's doing offensively. I mean, it, it's it, it's it, it's we just had Pierce here, and I always thought I don't know if I'll see a scorer quite like Pierce again for the Celtics. And well, now here we go. 
Al Horford has been as good as advertised, and we're benefiting from great production from Jay Crowder, Marcus Smart, and Avery Bradley. Uh, real quick on the Al Horford comment. Monday morning quarterbacks, they're already out with the, is Al Horford worth $26 million? Uh, let's just quickly just go back to July 2nd, where the signing Al Horford was the difference between, you know, having a chance at Kevin Durant or not having a chance at Kevin Durant. Now says, well, you know what? They didn't get Kevin Durant. So that, but, but, uh, it was at least uh, worth the try, but... I'm as big of an Al Horford fan as anyone. I think he. I think the reason why the Celtics, the biggest reason as to why the Celtics offense is what it is. I think it's number five in the NBA here on All Star Sunday. But there are some things that I'm worried about uh, with him. First off, offensively, I've been bringing this up now a few times. Is what happened was post game. It's just not effective at all. The Philadelphia game. He. I. I, I one game that jumped out at me was when they tried posting him up against Utah with Trey Lyles, who was mm-hmm. about as bad of a defender in the NBA as you can get, and he just couldn't get it going there. Philadelphia, he only had two posts up, uh, two, two uh, chances in the blocks, and one of them he initiated on his own. The other time he got stuffed by Nerlens Noel. He's shooting 37% from five to nine feet. And uh, defensively, he's having issues really staying in front of everyone. He's always slapping his hands, like it seems like once a game, when someone just blows by him. You, you need to yeah, keep uh, an eye on that. I no- noticed that, too. Yeah. Yeah. Like Shop- he, he, yeah. does it after, he does it after misses mid-range jumpers, too. Yeah, and he's not even in the top 30 centers for field goal percentage around the rim. Uh, quick and a little takes it- on Al Hor- Horford. And all and all that said, I I still think he's worth the money. Yeah, because I'm with you, too. you know, like Isaiah's not doing what he's doing without Al out there. And I think you're if you're a Celtics fan, you hope that there's still a little bit of these growing pains and Al getting comfortable. And I, I did subscribe to that early in the season that he's still trying to figure out the best ways to be effective. You know, I think and I think I, I wouldn't be surprised if Brad spends a good chunk of his All Star break. You know, one, now, now that this the after tonight and the game's clear, you know, maybe Brad can sit down and, and analyze and say. You know, how is Al most effective for us? Is it when Kelly Olenek out there and, you know, find the ways to maximize his talent and, and get him going a little bit? And, you know, maybe that's the other thing. Maybe they need to figure out a way to just get him initiated. I, I, I'll have to go back. I've attracted the, 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 the Celtics record the, when based on who scores the first field goal. And when Crowder and IT scored, they're something like 17-2. and two. But when Horford scores it, they're like 4-4. Four and four. But that, that, that what surprises me because I would think if they got him going early that maybe that would – help them out i don't know he's got to get he's got to get himself teams aren't really double teaming him they they were they got a lot of offense earlier in the year with him in the block teams double teaming him but teams aren't double teaming anymore so he can't uh get the passes going all right want to get to the letter to keep things moving along here sorry to interrupt you but uh you are chris uh both terry rogier and jalen brown have injected elite athleticism and energy into our rotation and both project as developing into excellent nba players uh you know accurate statement Although they've done it, I've never thought I'd ever see Terry Rozier and Elite in the same sentence, even if it was like Terry Rozier and has Elite typewriting skills or something I don't know. But uh, I guess it makes sense in some sort of capacity. Do you, do you know what this part that jumps out to me about that letter is? You just read seven names. Yep. Does any of the any Kelly, names that no, are Kelly not, Olenek, who just so happens to be a free agent at the end of the year? I, I understand. So, and that's and that's the theme is that the the the, the guys that are, aren't listed are, are like guys that are not long term penny contracts. Amir, Jonas, Gerald, Tyler, James Young. Who I can't wait. There's going to be a point. I'm wait, sure you, this letter wait, was written before the James Young outburst. Wait for it because someone is going to question whether the Celtics made the right move in not triggering James Young's 2017-18 option. If and if it, if it's me, you can slap me. Um, but I do find it interesting that Kelly's not in there. Like, I understand you, you got to be careful because you're it's pitching something for next season, and those guys might not be there. But you could say that about anybody. Like, there's always a chance that someone gets traded. Uh, I would have I thought that they would have found a way to shoehorn Kelly in there. And Kelly Olenek is, of course, now ripping it up from beyond the three-point line. That I felt like that was uh, he was due for that. He's been playing excellent defense all year. By far, uh, leading the NBA in the corner three, 66 percent obviously you can't take that many uh, corner threes considering the position that he plays and and what he has to do in the high post but uh yeah uh, that's pretty good uh and i so too I it's all because of the man bun too you, you realize that you know what i yeah, i hate it every time you tweet out those stats i hate it but i will say this coach nick when he was doing his celtics breakdown uh back in early january he sent me a text like hey do you know when kelly olenek has you know his hair all bunched up as opposed to the flow he shoots far better and i remember talking with some former nba players that uh the afro or hair seems to affect them when they shoot i'm like dude this is where you tweet uh 
at ESPN Forsberg, right? I always get you. I always get that mixed up. Forsberg ESPN or at ESPN Forsberg. I don't know which one. I'm like, here's Twitter. Just yeah, you gotta you gotta hook up with Coach Nick on that. I, I do think you're not really doing the Celtics much of a service when when you tweet out all those stats or you give them all the stats in the locker room because I know that's just gonna send their brains in about 45 <laughs> different directions and they're gonna. Brad be brushed off the tie. Left, Brad, right, and Brad was just like. You know, he, did, he 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 thought it was funny, and then he was like, "Whatever." And then he he like, I, I think I told him he was doing great in ties. He went right to no tie, like yeah. he, unaffected. Okay, like Kelly, Kelly, if, as soon as he goes, into it a would punk, affect I'm Kelly. I, I can just see that dearly affecting Kelly. Uh, in that in that <laughs> regards, you may have to give him some green grass uh, and say, "Here you go, forget everything." Back to the letter. Brad Stevens continues to provide steady leadership and is rightfully considered to be one of the top leagues. Top coaches, you know, I guess the most concrete, I say it every week, uh, the, the most concretely way to uh, judge if you're a good coach or not a good coach, at least offensively, is after timeout offense. But there's been like some, just some interesting trends with the Celtics. And I don't know if you want to attribute it to Brad Stevens. First off, it's very good that basically every one of the Celtics over the last two years has improved individually. Like every player has improved individually where once upon a time and, you know, under Rick Pitino, Ron Mercer got worse, Antoine Walker got worse, like everybody would get worse. So players get worse, players get better. But, you know, like one thing that, you know, I know you're going to love is just I, whether this is a Brad Stevens or not is how good the team now, year three, how awesome they are on back-to-backs. And winning all these games that you think scheduling-wise that, oh, no chance of winning. Like when they win in a Milwaukee, fourth game in five nights, and they win that game in OT low less. That's usually a schedule loss for every team in the NBA. They were, they're 9-3 and three on back-to-backs. Actually, no, 9-4. and four. Um Next to the Chicago game back on Thursday. So 9-4 on back-to-backs this year, 12-7 and seven last year. And there are also some really uh, other things that I've been tracking. Usually the last game of a, road, of a long road trip and the first game back from a home trip, yeah. anecdotally, are always tough, like just come out flat in those games, just, you know, just jet lag, travel, whatever it may be. So last year they're 3-0 and at the end of a four- or five-game road trip. And they were 2-0 and on the home return. And then this year, obviously, they win in Dallas, which I thought was an awesome win, uh, yep. on the fourth, you know, the fourth game of a road trip. And then they win against Philly on return. So I don't know if it's a Brad Stevens thing or not, but I was just throwing that all stuff out there. Because no, I, I think it is a Brad Stevens thing. It's a no-excuses thing. It's the same thing with injuries. Is like he never gives his team that out. And you hear coaches say it all the time. They're like, well, we're not healthy or this or that. And it's just like it puts that seed in your players' minds that it's okay to relent in some form or way because they don't have a player or, or they don't have this or, or because of the schedule. And, you know, I just love that in this era of, of DNP rest, like where it's a constant story about, oh, LeBron, that was love out. LeBron's got to, where are they going to possibly find rest for LeBron James? I mean, like the guy plays 30 minutes a night and, oh my gosh, how is he ever going to recover? And he's an absolute and physical specimen. Like, and the yeah. Celtics just don't even, don't even, don't even think about it. It's like, you know, Brad doesn't even, aware of the DNP rest hashtag. It's like, we're playing. This is what we do. We're young. I love it. While we're excited about our, let's say this every year, while we're excited about our present, we're even more excited about our future. Our young core of talented players is under contract for next season, except for that uh, other guy that we didn't mention, Mr. Olenek. Just so, <laughs> by coincidence, I don't forget. And we expect continued development. We expect so too. We anticipate having a top pick in what projects to be a strong 2017 NBA draft. We also have the cap flexibility and assets to acquire a trade for a superstar-level player should one become available. I wish they put that in parentheses. Um, (laughs) We have multiple paths to improve this team, and Danny Age and his staff will work tirelessly exploring all options to build that next championship team. Additionally, additionally, we're investing heavily off the court to build a new practice facility, the Arbach Center. Nothing gets season ticket holders more excited than talk about (laughs) a practice facility. Am I invited? Where are my seats for that? When this state-of-the-art facility opens in 2018, we'll have access to top sports science equipment and facilities that will enhance our player development efforts. That means the players are going to get even better, Chris. Imagine that. Uh, Improve (laughs) athlete performance and help us retain and attract top talent to Boston. Enclosed, you will find an invoice for your 2017-18 Boston Celtics ticket membership as well as your 2017 playoffs. <laughs> I like how they're doing a pay-as-we-play. Uh, they're not charging you for Game 7 of the NBA Finals in Boston. I don't know if that, what that has to do as opposed to why they did so back in, uh, you know, 10 years ago. But that's nice that they're doing it now. As we continue to invest in the product on the court, we hope that you'll continue to invest in our organization we were doing they so. probably could have just saved some space and, and used that, that last line to sum up that entire two paragraphs there, where it's like, you know, hey, we're spending money to build this facility. We're spending money to chase the best players. Now send us your money. Yep. 
Oh, it's like a political letter. You can continue to count on these pillars of your experience as a Celtics season ticket member. So you're going to love this. Okay, number one, our expanded member of experience <laughs> team will provide you with the highest level of service in professional sports. Continuing to tailor your experience to your preferences and deliver benefits. You, and tell me, because you're 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 an STH here, LHR. What is is it? Do you feel this way? Yeah, no, they're very good. In fact, whenever they, I ask for and, my, and they've improved, whenever I ask right? my girl Sarah for a favor, they get it done. It's they amazing, and, and I'll say, and, and I've got good. friends who've got season ticket holders. They feel the exact same way, and I think it's especially in the in in the past couple of years. You know, I noticed more of these representatives around. I know they're 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 going out of their way to make experiences good. better. I've seen a lot of more upgrades than usual, and that's really cool. That that it, listen, the, part of, of of getting people to send your money is to feel important, feel special, and I think they they're actually doing a good job of that. I don't like how that's the number one bullet on this list here, but go ahead. Well, the number two bullet is your game day experience at TD Garden will be the best in the league. I think that's, that's another embellishment. So while I think number one is accurate, number two, eh, you know, let's uh, minimalism is best. I used to always minimalism is best. You, you reference San Antonio with the DJ spinning. I would just say it's 2017. Get rid of it all. It's not 1997 anymore. You don't need y'all ready for this. It's. <laughs> You know, we're, we're, I would, we've now moved away from the pyro. Well, they don't have pyro there anymore, even though that was done very well. But we, I think we've moved entirely away from all that. I would say maybe a little bit less Bon Jovi, but yeah. otherwise I enjoy less eighty, experience. Less this 80s music. I know the Patriots have, are really bad. I don't know who they got there doing. It's all 80s uh, silliness. Okay. And number three, uh, this is the most active. Our entire organization will work relentlessly to bring Banner 18 to Boston. That should have been number one. Yeah. That's that's number one. That's what that's where that's when I, that's the point in, in when I'm reading this letter and I'm sitting there saying, man, I don't, do I want to send all my money? When I hear like we're going to work relentlessly to to give you another championship, that's when I'm that's when I want I feel that pride and I want to grab my checkbook. That should have been one. Checks in the mail, Celtics. Nice little burn for them, huh? They deserve it. Uh, want to thank Chris Forsberg of ESPN. Follow him on Twitter at ESPN Forsberg. Two things before we wrap. Once again, the contest. Follow me on Twitter at CLNS underscore LHR for free entry into a contest to win two tickets to see the Celtics take on the Hawks. And a programming note before we go, CLNS Radio will be live for this Thursday's trade deadline. Listen and watch the coverage on CLNSRadio.com, the CLNS Radio mobile app. Network is running a dream team out there on the airwaves. Duke Poole and Gelso Manning also expect to hear from Jared Weiss, Keith Smith of Celtics Blog, and a few others as well. And also call in all details on clnsradio.com. More details on tomorrow's CSL. We all may be hoping for something. Let's not hope that it's four first-round draft picks for Carmelo Anthony, right? I uh, think, think we should be good there. But uh, that is going to do it for now. Music, Chuck Dietz, and Steph Legrato. Sponsors, Movement Watches, and Audible. Audible.com slash try now for a free audiobook in a 30-day trial period. Staff writer, Eddie Santiago. CLNS founder, Nick Gelso. This is Larry H. Russell. See everyone next Sunday for another edition of Celtics Beat, powered by CLNS Radio. As long as I'm-